When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Uh, welcome into the show. Uh, this is Shout, a Buffalo football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. You can win $1 million right now. All you have to do is head over to topsmarkets.com slash redzone. That's where you can enter. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two cities sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. Again, that's topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. What's up, buddy? Hey, not too much. Ready to talk some football, some uh, maybe a little bit of a revenge game for the Bills mm-hmm. after dropping one early this year to the Jets. So I'm ready. Let's get let's get into it, Mr. Perino. We were talking about this before that we got on here and we were, we really dropped the ball without an emergency Vaughn pod, uh, an emergency Vaughn cast, if you will. But we saved it because listen, I wanted to, at the same time, sometimes the immediacy of the news, I mean, you want that instant reaction, but I also wanted to kind of gather some things over the course of the week. And we could have like sprinkled that into the, to the preview show, but I, I want to do the preview here at the top. And then once we kind of get into the game, talk about it a little bit, we'll then dive into the Von Miller story and what this kind of looks like as we forecast into the future. And then we'll finish with our keys to the game and our picks as well. Let's start with this game, Ryan. We go back now six weeks, uh, week nine, when the Bills were on the road against the Jets. And for me, the biggest two takeaways from that game was one, that's where the offense for me, really started to kind of sputter. I know that it was, uh, you know, the Packers game where that second half wasn't really good, but I thought that the, you know, the, the Jets did a lot of really nice things defensively that shut down Josh Allen in this passing offense. I mean, they had the 42-yarder to Diggs on the first play, and they finished yeah. with 200 yards passing in the game. So just think about that effort from that defense. And then on the other side, it was about who wasn't there. Von Miller was on the field that day, but no Jordan Poyer. No Tredavious White, no Matt Milano. There is a world that we could live in, and we'll get it with, with the injuries here in a minute, that all three of those guys are back for this game, which would be huge. Uh, what, what do you remember most about that game? Yeah, no, that was just it. The The inactive list was full of key players. You mentioned the defensive players. You know, Spencer Brown is not in the same echelon as those defensive stars that you just mentioned, but he's an important cog for this team at right tackle. Uh, so he was also out for that game. So they had missing... Uh, pieces on both sides of the ball uh the game no offense to the jets and the jets fans that was the jets super bowl all i can remember from that game is as soon as they won it uh robert salah is hugging one of his coaches the 
the players are going nuts on the field. And, and you know, this is what happens when I don't want to say they're a bad team anymore. They're, they're on the, they're on the rise, but this is when an average team knocks off one of the top teams in the league. They go crazy for these wins. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what I took away from it is, you know, they thought maybe they could hang with the bills and not only did they hang with them, they won that game, but a lot of it had to do with the pieces that were missing. Uh, it was a bad loss for the bills. Like you said, the offense sputtered after that double move by Diggs and went for a 50 yard gain. I think they're going to be a lot healthier coming into this game. So I'd like to see how it uh, plays out on Sunday. There's going to be a different quarterback uh, in for the Jets. They go from Zach Wilson a few weeks ago to now Mike White, who Bills fans are very familiar with. He struggled mightily against Buffalo last season, throwing four interceptions. And newsflash, not much has changed. I know he had a little splashy first week back, but I thought he was, you know, he probably made – I went back and watched the game before we started this. I think I'd probably say four really good throws in that Vikings game. But there were also four throws that you just look at and just they're they're game killers. They're game wreckers for an offense. You know, he threw two interceptions. He had another one that could have been picked that uh, he threw behind Corey Davis. Another one that was tipped that uh, just fell incomplete because two Vikings players ran into each other. He threw for 300 plus yards, but a lot of that came late. The Jets weren't executing in the red zone, which is playing right into a Bills defense's hand, hands with Leslie Frazier. I don't know how they're going to be able to attack them down the field. I know Garrett Wilson is a really nice player, but with Tredavious White back in the in the mix, that's to me one of the matchups that I'm most keyed in on is does Tredavious White play 100% of the snaps and does he follow Garrett Wilson in this game? Because if he does, that could be advantage Bills in this time. Yeah, listen, Matt, in the famous words of Yogi Berra, it's deja vu all over again. Mike White mania was going wild last year. Uh, He beats the Bengals. He has another decent performance uh, mixed in there. And then he comes to Buffalo. uh, He goes against the Bills, I should say, and he gets absolutely destroyed. I I think you're going to see something very, a very similar outcome on Sunday. You mentioned some of the near interceptions. Uh, He tries to throw the ball into a pretty tight window. And to his credit, a few of those went through last week against the Vikings. Uh, But he also had a big interception late that sealed the deal that he had no business throwing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if things play out the same way it did one year ago in terms of uh, Mike White and and the Jets kind of slowly realizing he's not the long-term answer. He might be better than Zach Wilson, uh, but we're setting the bar pretty low here in terms of Wilson's overall play as well. Yeah, some of Zach Wilson's stats are, and his rankings are really troubling if you're a Jets fan, knowing that they spent a second round, second overall pick on him a couple of years ago. Uh, so anything probably would be an upgrade. Man, we're living in a world where Baker Mayfield, off of two mm. days, could come in on Thursday night football and light the NFL world on fire. So anybody can do anything at any given time. That's the NFL. Uh, I'll be interested to see if this can kind of uh, continue for Mike White. Some of the things playing against him, a very healthy Jordan Poyer. The thing about Jordan Poyer now, too, that I think is really going to help this defense is now that he has been back for a few weeks and can start to develop some chemistry with DeMar Hamlin, it's going to help them as a group right back there, but it's also going to help DeMar Hamlin going from Poyer at the start to then having to play with Jaquan Johnson, who struggled a little while. He was out for a couple weeks, then Poyer came back. It was a lot of like stop and go, stop and go. Now you're in a situation where you can develop some of that chemistry. Super important. So Matt Milano is on the injury report. Uh, He is questionable along with Deion Dawkins. But 
couple things on those two situations. First of all, Deion Dawkins limited on Wednesday and Thursday. So he practiced both days was full on Friday. So he looks like all systems go. Sean McDermott came out today on WGR and said that he's not very concerned about Deion's chances of playing on Sunday, which is a good sign. Milano's a little bit differently. And we were talking about this a little bit before the show. And I think how this plays out is going to be interesting to watch. So a lot of people didn't know how Milano suffered the knee injury in the Von Miller hysteria on Wednesday, Sean McDermott kind of slid it in there that he was not going to practice that day. Well, we found out now today that he suffered an injury very early in the Patriots game. He went on to play a hundred percent of the snaps. He didn't miss a single play. So it's something that he managed in that game. So now he's had a couple of days to kind of get in the training room, work on that. He didn't practice Wednesday. He didn't practice Thursday. So everybody's probably sitting back thinking, okay, there's no chance Milano's going to play because guys that don't play practice for McDermott, they don't end up typically playing uh, on Sunday. But he was um, limited today. He was out there at practice, and Sean McDermott didn't rule him out. And I think it could be a situation, because he finished the game after such an early injury, Ryan, it might be a situation where they were just trying to really watch the injury over the course of the week, let him not put any extra pressure or stress on it, not practice. And then that will allow him to play. And Sean even said it today, like it's different situations as you go, depending on the player, you know, some players, more veteran players that have been in the system a long time, know what they're doing. You probably have a little bit more leeway in making a late week decision like that. So I don't think that we're, I don't think we're out of the woods on, on Matt Milano, if you're a Bills fan, but I definitely think we're, trending in a good direction to use a Sean McDermott term. Yeah. And, you know, he's one of those players that has been here from the get go in terms of knowing the system, knowing the ins and outs. He's a player that you don't necessarily need on the field practicing. Uh, you feel comfortable on any given Sunday with him being in the lineup and playing and playing at a high level at that. But counterpoint, if for some reason he cannot go or he's not 100 percent, I think the Bills are in a better situation in this rematch with the Jets than they were previously. They have A.J. Klein back in the fold. They have Terrell Bernard, who's played a little bit since then. Uh, they have depth at linebacker. Guys, Ty- Tyrell Dodson, who's come in. So they know that they have depth as well. They don't necessarily need Milano to be playing 100% of the snaps. I think he will. I think there's a good chance he will if he's playing on Sunday, Matt. But I also think the depth at that position is in a much better place than what it was in that first matchup. The Jets are generally speaking um, pretty healthy. I think they only have one questionable person on their injury report. So, you know, it's going to be uh, probably a full, uh, you know, all the players that we're going to talk about over the next couple of uh, minutes here are, are going to be in the mix. Um, so the Bills won't have um, Jordan Phillips. And I'm, I'm curious what you think about how much that will affect things on the defensive line. Daquan Jones has played a massive role. Obviously I feel like in the middle Ed Oliver would, would hurt if he was missing in a game, Mm. but I almost feel like we've reached a point of the season. We've seen enough that Daquan Jones almost feels like more irreplaceable. If he were to go out for any stretch of time, just because of all the different things they ask him to do. I almost feel like you can generate some of what Oliver does, not at the same level, but what you ask him to do, with other guys, even a guy like CJ Brewer, who they just signed off the practice squad, you know, you could simulate some of that. But Daquan Jones, it's been impressive to me to learn about how much he's had an impact in the film room with some of the younger guys, even the edge rushers like Boogie Basham, AJ Evanessa, and then Shaq Lawson, a guy who's been in the league for six years. He's talked about how much and raved about how much he's learned from the guy. So they're in a situation where Jordan Phillips would have probably been helpful in this game, but they won't have. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about it. And, you know, first and foremost, think about how many players the Bills have had to call up at times this year at defensive tackle. There was Brandon Bryant for a few games. There's Eli Anku. Uh, they've already had to go to the well, the practice squad, bring guys up this year, and they fared pretty well no matter who it was that was being called up to action. And as much as I like Jordan Phillips, he still hasn't looked the same to me as he did early in the season before he suffered that hamstring injury. Now, totally different injury that he's dealing with now. As long as they still have Daquan Jones, as long as they still have Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, I like that top three a lot. I'm not too concerned uh, about who that next man up is after it. Now, obviously, it'd be nice to have Jordan Phillips, uh, but I, I still think they have a really strong top three. They have some other options, like you mentioned, some of the names, C.J. Brewer. Um, they have some bodies, I think, can come in and contribute right out of the gate if they need a few snaps here or there. It's actually the player that was ruled on the other side of the ball that I'm a little bit more concerned about, Matt. Reggie Gilliam. Yeah, I mean, I think that could have a real impact on their run game. I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, they've gotten it going over the last couple of weeks. James Cook, Devin Singletary um, came last week. Over five yards of carry for Cook, uh, over six the week before. And not having Reggie Gilliam, I think, not only limits them in the run game, Ryan, to your point, not that you made that point, but to your point that they'll miss him, and that's probably one of the areas they'll miss him the most, but also in like where they line him up and the versatility of him in their scheme. Not having that you know, available to you, I think they can replicate some of it with Quentin Morris, and this could be maybe an opportunity for him. If you go back to training camp, uh, I believe it was training camp, uh, maybe in the preseason there, they did a little bit of that with Quentin Morris when Reggie Gilliam was out. And that might be something that, you know, with Dawson Knox playing as much as he has, depending on the, the numbers, maybe you, you activate uh, Morris, Sweeney, and Knox in this game and allow Quentin Morris to play more of that fullback role as he hasn't had really much of a uh, a role as a tight end. So, yeah, that's that's definitely something to keep an eye on and how Ken Dorsey makes adjustments based on that. Yeah, I'm interested to see that as well. Listen, this run game was really starting to come along here. Uh, we're coming off of James Cook's best performance as a pro. Now, mind you, only 60-some yards of it was on the ground. He had over 100 total yards. But we've seen Devin Singletary running the ball well, Cook running with more confidence. So without Gilliam out there, I want to see, can they replicate that success against a really good uh, Jets defensive front? So that'll be a big challenge for this team. Protecting Josh Allen will be a big challenge for this team, even if Deion Dawkins is back in the fold, which – you and I both anticipate uh, that is the one real strength of this Jets defense is uh, especially up front. You know, Quinnen is having an outstanding all pro type of season for the Jets mm-hmm. up front. So I really think that it's going to come down to the, the trenches, so to speak, offensive line versus defensive line. And Gilliam played a little bit of a role in terms of that additional blocker for the run game. So how Ken Dorsey replicates this offense or how they replace him is going to be something to watch on Sunday. I want to talk about more of this Jets defense because to yeah. me, that's the path to victory for New York on the road in this game. It's not necessarily this offense, although they did pretty well last week against the Vikings, 486 total uh, net yards. They couldn't execute in the red zone. They were really crappy on third down three for 16 in that game. And they finished um, in the red zone. They reached six times. They only managed one touchdown. And even that was, was difficult. So I think that this offense on the road, I know they did it in Minnesota, but I, with the elements and the, some of the, you know, questionable throws that you saw from Mike uh, white, I think they're going to struggle at times where I think the jets can stay in this game is if, the Bills play like they did in week nine and turn the ball over. Those two turnovers 
Ryan, were the difference in the game. And one of the key matchups is Sauce Gardner, the rookie, on Stefan Diggs. And listen, Sauce Gardner was, I don't know if he necessarily was super loud, but I felt like the performance in that game, like there was a lot of reverberation about that. There wasn't a lot of one-on-one against Stefan Diggs. I'm curious to see if Stefan Diggs doesn't take the, he doesn't tend to talk a lot of smack, but I wonder if he's going to try to entice Sauce Gardner to maybe come on him a little bit more one-on-one as opposed to DJ Reed, who I thought did a good job in that first matchup when he was uh, defending Stefan Diggs. And honestly, those two guys together have been really good. Uh, But I think Stefan Diggs is going to try to maybe get a little bit more of that action, that sauce action this time around and see how that plays out for the Bills. Yeah, I could see that happening. You know, maybe uh, bait him out like he did with Jair Alexander ahead of that uh, game against the Packers in terms of the, the trash talk pregame. That that could certainly be something to watch. And, you know, Sauce Gardner, he got beat on the double move early in the game. Uh, wasn't on digs much after that. To his credit, he ended with an interception on – it was a miscommunication, I would assume, because there was literally no bill in the vicinity of that Allen throw that Gardner came up with. Uh, Allen's made some better decision-making in, in the past few weeks than what we saw in that game. Uh, he's been taking what the defenses are giving him. If the Jets are giving those little short passes, is he going to take them? Is he going to try to hit the big play? It, it's going to come down to the decision-making process of Josh Allen protecting that football uh, and, and knowing that they have the more talented roster. And this is a game that they have to win, obviously, to stay atop the AFC. Uh, but each of these AFC East matchups these next few weeks are huge after starting 0-2 in the division. They're 1-2 now after last week, but they have to keep that momentum going for multiple reasons, but obviously first and foremost, winning the division this season. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Where do you want to go next, Mr. Talbot? Yeah, I see Alex Barber has a good question, and it's it's away from the Jets game a little bit, but big picture without Von Miller, can the Bills still win the Super Bowl? In my opinion, yes. Uh, it, it obviously stings not having Von Miller out there if you're the Bills. He was the big investment this offseason to get them over the hump uh, in big moments, especially in that Chiefs game. He came up uh, with those plays for Buffalo's defense, but you know, you go back last year, and I know the 13 seconds, I get how it ended, but the Bills had that game against the Chiefs, technically won uh, late in that game in terms of how they performed. They went toe-to-toe with Kansas City. And, oh, by the way, that was without Trey White, who they're going to have back out there uh, come playoff time. They have him now. He's getting better and better each week in terms of the amount of snaps that he's playing. He's looking more and more like his old self. So, yes, one man does not make a team unless that one man's name is Josh Allen because without Josh Allen, all of it kind of goes away in, in a big-time fashion, the Super Bowl odds. But Von Miller, it's not the end of the season for Buffalo without him. It's a blow. It's a significant blow. But everything that they want is still in front of them. They're still the number one seed in the AFC as of right now. So I, I still think that there could be a Super Bowl parade in, in Western New York uh, come February this of 2023. We have the train. Yeah, and so I, we, we might as well cover the Von Miller stuff now while we're while we're there. Uh, this is something that popped up out of nowhere on Wednesday. I think a lot of people thought that you know even when the Bills put him on short term IR, which is basically what they were doing initially with the hope that he could return in four weeks, there was still always the idea that he was going to have to test it out. He was going to get back on a football field. And there was no guarantee that he'd be able to come back and and be a factor this season. So. 
you know, when he got on the table, obviously the story's probably been told enough at this point, most people know, but if you don't, you know, he went down to Dallas this week, uh, Dr. Cooper, who specializes in these surgeries. And they basically went in knowing that if there was enough damage to the ACL, which apparently they had, they had known enough that that Vaughn thought that there could be, they'd repair it and that would end his season. And so now all focus has shifted to 2023. And I, I thought it was interesting enough, side note, that Brandon Bean was so ad- adamant when we talked to him the other day that they're expecting to have Von Miller back for most of 2023. And you get to thinking about some of the recent examples of this. And obviously, Trey White's took a long time, right? What he does on the football field and what a defensive end does on the football field are completely different things, right? Everything that Von Miller would be doing, of course, you're you know, you're cutting and you're you're spinning and you're doing all kinds of things, but you don't have to backpedal. So I think there's like a little bit of a difference there, but he's done it before. He's very confident that he can make his way back. That was one of my first big takeaways. Talking about the future outlook here, and I think we covered this maybe not on the Tuesday show, but maybe on the show before that. If I was power ranking defensive players, right? Jordan Poyer now, Micah Hyde's out already, so take him out of the equation. Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano and Von Miller. I think you can make an argument as crazy as, as it sounds that Von Miller ranks fifth on, on players that the bills can least afford to lose as they kind of try to go win a Super Bowl. because all four of those other guys, nobody can replicate what they do playing 100% of the snaps. Von Miller at his peak is probably going to be playing 65, 70% of the snaps. You can find other ways to generate pressure, probably not at the same level, but I I just think that there's other guys on that defensive secondary, that middle level, that if you were to lose them, it would be a little bit harder to replace it. They're not going to replace that fourth quarter magic that Von Miller has already demonstrated this season that he can bring. But I just I don't think it's a a season killer. It just makes things harder. It takes them back to square one where they were sitting 13 seconds away last year without him. Yeah, it's the big moments that you needed from Von Miller. If you're talking overall snap count, overall play on the field, you you named the players. Matt Milano, you need him out there at linebacker. Tremaine Admins uh, is having the best season of his career. Jordan Poyer, uh, Trey White, someone who wasn't out there for that playoff game. It, it was a completely different matchup last season between the Chiefs and the Bills when Trey White was there and when he wasn't. They really, you know, stifled the Chiefs offense. They slowed them down. I believe it was 38 to 20 in that regular season win. Um, They they were able to slow the offense down more. So having those type of players for this potential playoff uh, rematch that you could get down the road, I still think the Bills have a legit chance to win that game. I think if they go off against the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that you and I talked about earlier uh, this week is being a legit threat in the AFC, they could win that as well. So, you obviously wanted Von Miller to be able to play in those matchups, wear the brace, hope there was no ACL damage, uh, but that's not how things worked out. So the Bills are going to have to go without him for the remainder of this season and obviously for part of the start of the 2023 year. Look at the Cincinnati Bengals, Ryan. They don't have a Von Miller. They have, you know, uh, they have DJ Reader. He's a really good player on the interior. Trey Hendrickson, really good player on the edge. He's probably better than anything else that the Bills have outside of Von Miller. So, I mean, he's obviously in a different category. But I think they drafted Greg Rousseau for a reason, to Sean McDermott's point. And I've been really impressed this week talking to Shaq, talking to Greg Rousseau about the resolve of that group 
in the aftermath of this news. And it's fitting because it's like all Von Miller talked about over the course of this season. It's kind of like creeping away. It was almost like he was talking to himself like a month ago when he was talking about what it's like to go play in this league and all players get injured. You're never going to you know, go through the, your career and not have a season any injury, almost like prophetic in a way when he was talking about the Tredavious White stuff. I was thinking about that, and it was, it was crazy. Going back and listening to that press conference on Thursday and how he was talking through all of that, it's like you can't avoid it. You're always going to get these injuries. But Greg Rousseau, to me, is the piece that – is the most important on the defensive line. I think you know pretty much at this point what you're going to get from Jones, what you're going to get from uh, Ed Oliver, and even to a degree what you're going to get from Boogie and A.J. Epinesa. I know that Leslie Frazier said he thought, or Beans said he thought Boogie played his best game of the season last year. I didn't go back and watch that game, so nothing stood out to me enough to where I'd, I'd be comfortable saying that, but I'm sure he crushed the tape and has a really solid idea of why that was. But I think you know what you're going to get for the most part from those two guys week to week, and you hope for incremental improvements. Greg Rousseau has to take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when it comes to Shaq Lawson and Greg Rousseau, they're both really good at setting the table, setting the edge, uh, stopping the run game. We've seen Rousseau step up as a pass rusher early in the season. Uh, like you just said, though, he needs to step up, kind of replicate that early season, uh, early season success, especially come playoff time in those crunch moments when they need a big play. AJ Epinesa has been able to push the pocket a little bit. You know, we've talked about Boogie Basham in terms of his pass rush arsenal or lack thereof, trying to bull rush uh, when he might not have the strength to get it done. But he's also had some positives as a run stopper, moving along the sidelines, getting quarterbacks out of bounds that way. Like you said, Brandon Bean saw something that he liked on film with Boogie Basham's latest performance. And that goes back to something we said a few episodes ago with these young players are being forced onto the field in terms of reps and snaps. And that's only going to benefit them. So maybe now he can stack another strong performance on top of what he saw last week in Boogie Basham's play and continue to improve. And again, We've already seen a big step in in terms of the play and growth of Rousseau, but he's got to take it up another notch. The ability is there for this defensive line to uh, make a difference. We've seen it from the interior this year, from Ed Oliver, uh, from Daquan Jones. Tim Settle has had some nice games. Jordan Phillips early on. They still have the talent and the depth to make noise up front, and obviously we know how strong they are at linebacker, and their secondary is getting better by the day. Uh, with the, the amount of snaps that Trey White has been playing these past few weeks. Brian Chilson over on Facebook says, with the trade deadline gone, could Bean find any decent defensive end on another team's practice squad? The practice squad pickings are going to probably be slim when it comes to edge rushers. That's not something that you know teams take a chance on and, and, and float guys out there. You know, I, you could always look at the free agent um, market. I mean, there, there might be somebody floating around that didn't sign with a team. I mean, you look at a guy like Carlos Dunlop, who had floated around for a while last year. He's made some nice plays for... Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I, I haven't looked at it. I don't know if there's any out there this year, those veteran guys that haven't maybe uh, uh, signed on with a team. But one idea that in a perfect world would be would be great and would be a fun story would be if the Texans decided with the fact that they're completely out of it, cutting uh, Jerry Hughes and allowing him to go kind of sign a free agent deal with the Bills or getting claimed on waivers or however that would end up working out. And probably actually won't wouldn't get claimed by the Bills because some other team would probably claim them if they cut them. That doesn't 
my point is that doesn't happen very often. Like, you know, even when teams are bad, I mean, he's a huge part of what they're, they're trying to build with their culture there at this point. So it's not something that it, it would be great for the bills to just kind of replug in Jerry Hughes late in the season, somebody that knows the system. But I think Shaq Lawson is the version of that. Now, what, what, what they brought him in, and, and it's something we've talked about on the show before, is in a lot of ways what Jerry Hughes has been. Just that reliable guy that's going to be there for as many snaps as you need. He's never going to blow you away with the sack production, but he's somebody that at times can get pressure on the quarterback. And it, you know, with, in Hughes's case, not at times. He was one of the best you know, pressure generators in the NFL over the last couple of seasons. But I think that you know, between him, Rousseau, the two younger guys, and then the collection of talent you have on the interior, I think they're, they're going to ride with that, Ryan. Yeah, and they almost have to. Um, th- there's not usually practice squad options out there that'd be high priorities on a, a list of Brandon Bean to come in and make an impact. You're looking for guys that maybe you liked in the draft a year ago, two years ago, that you want to bring along and develop. It, sometimes teams will sign veterans to their practice squad with the intent of eventually elevating them. Uh, the Bills could go to the market, like you said, or they could look and see if there are veterans on other teams' practice squads and offer them a, a contract. But it's just such a tough position to find an impact player this time of year. And you mentioned the whole uh, process with anyone getting cut. They have to go through waivers. The odds of someone like Jerry Hughes, if he were to get cut or another uh, pass rusher, is slim to none to make it all the way down to Buffalo because there are teams that are in the mix for a playoff hunt that would probably put in a claim. There would probably be teams just kind of playing chess, so to speak, that would put in a claim for Hughes just to keep him away from a team like the Bills. It's how it works. Uh, it's the beauty of the league. After the trade deadline, everyone has to go through waivers, uh, even if you're you know, a, a veteran of the game. So uh, that's just something that it's not likely to happen. What is likely to happen is everybody listening right now heading over to topsmarkets.com slash Christmas bonus and get yourself started getting stocked up for all your friends and family because tis the season to save on groceries and all of your favorite holiday gifts. Christmas bonus at Tops Friendly Markets means you shop at Tops and save $10 at all your other favorite stores and restaurants. With over 25 gift cards to choose from, there's something for everyone on your list and don't forget to treat yourself to some extra savings too. Save on great gifts like toys and games from GameStop or Toys R Us at Macy's, great family dining at Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings, that new big screen TV you want from Best Buy, and so much more just by shopping at Tops. Be Santa's biggest little helper with Christmas bonus from Tops. Head over to topsmarkets.com slash Christmas bonus for more. All right, Ryan, keys to the game. And every time I need to make a key for around the house, whether it be you know safe in the basement um, door in the house, the front door, the back door, the garage. I head over to Value Home Centers. They always got you ready. They they're ready to go and to hook you up with any key that you need to make. And right now, if you text VALU to 80692, that signs you up for Value's text program. Uh, and you can start saving even more and receiving exclusive coupons and getting their weekly deals. Uh, Value presents our keys to the game. What do you got? Protect the football. You mentioned it earlier. Josh Allen's interceptions uh, made all the difference in that game. That was a a point where he was not playing his best football. Uh, You need him to play and protect it, not throw in these costly interceptions deep in their own end. Uh, Make sure that he's taking the wise decisions, checking it down when he needs to, not relying too much on trusting his arm in those really tight windows. If you're getting the drop-off passes to James Cook, to Dawson Knox, Take those passes, 
wait for your opportunities to hit the big plays to Gabe Davis, to Stefan Diggs when they come. Just be smart with the football because I think on the other side of the ball, Matt, Mike White has a few turnovers in his system, and that's going to be their chance to really pull away with this thing. So protect the football on offense, and the Bills come away with a win. What about you? That's it for me right there is just, you know, make Mike White be Mike White. That's my key to the game. And the Bills defense can affect that. And you could do it in multiple ways. He is going to put the ball in bad spots when he throws it. And he's also going to make poor decisions when you get pressure in his face. That's just the way that it happens for guys that in this league, even the good young quarterbacks that, 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 you know, come in with all of this pedigree and, you know, did things in college and, you know, have high expectations or high round picks. They still suffer in those situations. They make mistakes. And Mike White is a guy that is still six, seven games into his NFL career. And the bills are going to be able to mask what they're doing on the second and third level and then get pressure up front. I'm not overly, I'm not overwhelmed with that that front for the the Jets, their offensive line. I think they they're prone to give up pressure. They're prone to give up quarterback hits. And if you're hitting Mike White and you're forcing him to try to come back and make plays in the passing game, I'll pair with this shutting down their run game because that was a big issue in the first one. I almost feel like you should you you start there, you shut you shut down the run, and then you force the pass and you force more aggressive plays in the passing game. And listen, they, they're having enough success, Ryan, right now with Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore starting to kind of pop for them a little bit. CJ Uzama's there. He can make some plays. I really like that other kid, uh, Ty Conklin. He made some nice plays a couple of weeks ago. They have some players in the passing game that can make plays, but I think that the bills have better players on the defensive side. So that to me is one of the big keys of the game. Yeah, well said. You know, the the pieces are starting to get there for the Jets. They have a lot of young talent, uh, but the Bills have better talent still, especially at quarterback. Make Mike White turn the ball over, and and the Bills will walk away with another victory. All right, let's bring on, um, for our last little segment here, we can bring on, we can go to the bullpen. Bring in A.J. Chabalski, who, Sabalski, I said it wrong the first one. I want to say, right. say Chabalski. I don't know yeah, why people do it. People do it. Uh, got anything to bring into the show today? I saw you with some stuff in the comments. Someone in the comments earlier mentioned how you know Milano and Dawkins should both play because it's a divisional game if they can get on the field. Um, I just I think McDermott's a very conservative coach in that aspect. I know we talked prior yesterday about the possibility of Milano playing, and we discussed how you know when Milano doesn't or when a player doesn't practice Wednesday, Thursday, there's not a really good chance that he plays. But with the update that, you know, he's uh, he was out there Friday and everything, um, you know, it, it, it gives a good chance. And I am a little worried um, if Milano doesn't play because I think the Jets do have some weapons. And I think Michael White is, is inconsistent and is probably as many, you know, interceptions or interceptable balls he can throw. The, the Jets have allowed 28 points in 10 games. So that's a threshold that the Bills hopefully can get to with, you know, the rejuvenation of this offense in a run game. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, you know, with Mike White, they're going to have to score some points. I know how good their defense is, uh, but I'm still anticipating the Bills being able to put a lot of points on, on the board at home, uh, not ha- fall into the same type of struggles that they did against the Jets in the first matchup. The red zone offense has been so much better as of late. I believe six touchdowns in the last seven drives in the red zone. So, they're starting to put that together, figure out some things that they were really struggling earlier in the year. So uh, I, I get that the Jets have made it easier for the offense to win games this year with their overall play. You look at the win, you know, some of their earlier wins where they've really 
uh, especially against the Bills where they shut down the offense and made it that Zach Wilson didn't have to do much in that game. I think the Bills are going to come out with a completely different game plan and be a lot more effective against this Jets defense. The Jets defense in general, I think that's a great stat, AJ, and the fact that what, what's the number? I think nobody's thrown over 250 yards against them. And going back at the struggle that this passing offense for the Bills had against this team in week nine, I mean, there's going to be challenges in this game. There, there, this isn't a game where much has changed in, you know, personnel wise, especially off Bills offense versus Jets defense. So, how do you get better in a lot of these departments is like, you got to get tougher up front, which I think this has probably been a point that has been emphasized all week long. You have 11 days to prepare for this jets team, which I think is a huge piece of all of this. And there's just that retribution factor. Like it's in the headline, like a revenge game. The bills haven't lost much in the AFC East over the last couple of years. Pretty sure they're pretty pissed off about how that game went the first time around. I think Josh Allen is feeling healthier and we're going to get to our pick segment now. And then that's why I also brought you in, JJ. I'll let you g- give your pick. Early in the week, I have to do it for CBS every week. So I, I put it in at 28 to 13, I believe. I'm going to keep that for the show because they already have graphics and everything like that. But I'm changing it because I see a dominant performance coming from the Bills on Sunday. I'm going 38 to 10. I have a bold prediction as well. I think I, I shared this with you, AJ. Tremaine Edmonds pick six to absolutely put Bill's Bill's Twitter on fire on Sunday. <laughs> I think that we're just going to watch the flames as this thing just absolutely explodes. But no, offensively, I think, you know, they're going to try to run the ball. The Bills are. But I also think they're going to attack and try to get downhill. And if things don't go well for the Jets offense early, I think the Bills offense will be able to capitalize on that momentum, put pressure on the Jets and, you know, hit some big chunk plays like they haven't they haven't given up many big chunk plays all season. That's one of the things that the Jets are doing really well. And I think the Bills will find ways to do it. So I'm going 38 to 10 Bills. Yeah, I'll go next. I have the Bills winning this one 35 to 17. Uh, One score comes late in garbage time for the Jets. Bills defense, four turnovers on Mike White and the Jets offense. Uh, Really pull away with this one. Not close at the end of the day. Okay, so I... Well, I didn't have them for the show, but I'll just uh, go with one now. With how, the way the Jets' defense is playing, I think the offense for the Bills has been better the last couple of weeks uh, running the ball and whatnot. But like you guys said earlier in the show, Reggie Gillian, that's a, a, a big loss for a team that's been really running the ball well. I'm going to go with a lower-scoring game. Uh, I think it'll be a closer game. I think the Jets have been close games all year. You look at last week against the Vikings, and the Vikings are another team that's been in close games all year. Uh, I'll go 24-13 to 13 Bills. I think they control the game. I think with Milano, I could see them running away with this one. That's how important I think it is that Milano gets on the field. But I'll go Bills, 24, Jets, 13, lower scoring game. But Bills handle business and stay atop the FC. My my 38-10 prediction is also based on Milano and Dawkins playing, which I think I'm a little bit bullish on after you know the Friday development. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, all right, for AJ, for Ryan, I am Matt. Head over to Tops right now. Check out the, the Carry Out Cafe. They have hot to go fresh large cheese and pepperoni pizza, $14. The 10 count chicken wings, $14. The legendary breakfast pizza is $20. Pizza or taco log, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. We'll see you Sunday. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.